0: Okay, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? What is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might? That He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him His head over all things to the church." which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Father, we thank you for your grace to us, and we ask, God, that you would uh, teach us to pray. Uh, Lord, your, your own disciples, when they walked with you on this earth, uh, ask you that same thing, that you might teach us to pray. Teach us to pray effectively, God. Teach us how to pray for our, our spouse and how to pray for our children how to pray for our small group, how to pray for our church, how to pray for our friends. God, we, we want to pray effectively. God, we want to see your power and your might go forth in their lives. And so, Father, help us to pay attention to, to the prayers that you have put in, in, in the Word of God. Help us to understand. Uh, give us wisdom and insight. Father, we ask that you would speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Six weeks ago, we started our small groups here at Lincoln Avenue, and I give you a challenge. You remember what that challenge was? Hopefully, that you, you you remember that because you've been doing it. But the challenge was to pray for everybody in your small group every day. Okay, just a simple challenge. Most of you have maybe maybe twelve people or so, uh, fourteen, something like that, in your small group. Uh, some of you have maybe maybe eight couples or something like that, and so the challenge was to pray for everybody in your small group. Uh, every day for, for the duration of our, our time, and, and we're, we're halfway. Uh, we have six more small group meetings left. We're going to be off a couple Sundays here coming up, but we've had six. We've got six more, uh, including tonight, and so th- this is really the halfway point. Uh, as far as, as as you praying for those people ca- completing that commitment. I've heard some great testimonies by the way of, of how that has worked out. Uh, several people have told me the things that they've seen in their small group and how God has worked in, in great ways and answering those prayers and, and more often than not I've also been told of how that has enriched their prayer life. Uh, several people have told me man pastor that's revolutionized my prayer life just committing to pray for those people and, and as I prayed for them God let me to pray more. And as I set aside time, God filled that time and and just how that had enriched their prayer life. And so here's my challenge as as we look at a prayer in the Bible. uh, My challenge to you is whether you've done a great job the last six weeks, whether you've completely forgot it all all together, whether you kind of have done it, uh, whatever's in the past, we're just going to leave that in the past. And now for the next six weeks, would you consider, would you consider Praying for one another. Praying for everybody in your small group every day for the next six weeks. Now, as we look at what Paul uh, what Paul does here in, in Ephesians 1, I think we learned some great things about prayer. Uh, first of all, we see that Paul... Prayed for his small group or his spiritual friendships all the time, okay? Uh, we're going to see that not only in only Ephesians, but also in, in a bunch of other books here in just a second. But first of all, let me ask you, why would you take the time to pray fervently and constantly for someone? As you look at, at the people that you pray for in your life, most likely, what, what's happening in that person's life that spurs you to pray for them, Okay if I can answer for you, I think a lot of people would say, well, the people that I'm praying for are the people who are having a rough time, right? Uh, you might say, man, the people I know who have cancer, the people I know who are really sick, the people I know who are who are being tempted, the people I know who are struggling in their marriage, the people I know who are who are having a real t- hard time just in life and financially and work-wise, and maybe you know some folks that are kind of falling away in their faith, and you would say, man, I am really motivated and spurred on to pray for those people. And let me just tell you, yes, you should, okay? Yes, you should please, man, as you see people that are hurting, struggling, the the most gracious, merciful, powerful, effective thing that you can do for them is ask God to move in their lives, okay? So that's a great thing to do. Please keep doing that. Please keep praying for those people that are struggling in your life. But interestingly enough, as we look at the prayers of the New Testament, as we look at who Paul prayed for, and we know that he prayed for all these people that he has spiritual friendships, he has Christ in relationships with in all these churches, and as we look at Paul's prayer, one one of the things that just always strikes me is that that's not really the case in Paul's prayers, okay? Let, let, me, let me give you some examples, all right? In, in the prayer we're looking at tonight, Ephesians 1 15, he says, for this reason, because I have heard, here's the reason why he's praying for him, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Why does Paul pray for the Ephesians believers? Because he remembers their faith. He remembers how they trust Christ and how, how, they, how, how they believe and and, and cherish Jesus Christ and their love for other people. Remember, faith produces love for other people. Paul sees both of that in this church. He sees that they cherish and treasure Christ and that that overflows in a love for other people and that spurs him on to pray for them. You say, well, maybe that's just one prayer. Well, let's go to the next book in the Bible, which is Philippians. Philippians chapter one, verse three. Another church, completely different set of people. Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Why does Paul pray for the Philippian believers? Because they have partnered with him in the gospel. These are folks that are like-minded. Paul's got a passion for the nations. He's got a passion to to bring the grace of God to other people. So do the Philippians. That spurs Paul on to pray for them. In other words, this church is doing great. Keep going, a couple more books. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. He says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly remembering you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why does Paul pray for the, for the Thessalonians? Because he remembers, man, their faithfulness and their work of love and their, their passion for the gospel. Paul is praying for these people because he sees great things happening in their lives. Okay, now 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 why 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 should we be spurred on when we see someone doing well in the faith? Why should we be spurred on to pray for them? A couple of reasons why. First of all, I think we follow a principle that's in the Bible. Uh, we see Jesus doing this. Henry Blackaby, if you've ever done experiencing God, he championed this principle. And basically, the principle is this: work where God's working. Okay, if you if you kind of picture the world as a field, all right, and, and we're kind of all laborers with God in that field. That's a, that's an image you find in the New Testament okay when you see god working in a certain part of the field what should you do well a lot of times we think well god's working there so that, that's fine i'm gonna go over here where, where, where he's not working no that's the wrong way to look at it what you should do is you say my father's working there i'm gonna join him in that work okay and so one of the reasons that you should be spurred on to pray for the people in your small group the people in the church that, that you see who are doing well is is that that principle man god is at work Okay, when you see that God is at work somewhere, that ought to motivate you to continue to pray for those people, to to join God in his work. Reason number two, 1 Corinthians ten twelve says, let him who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. Uh, let me just have a testimony time here. I, I'm really doing okay spiritually. I wouldn't say I'm doing incredible, but I'm doing okay. I, I'm, I'm having good times with the Lord. My, my prayer time is pretty good. Uh, my, my time in the scriptures is pretty good. Uh, I enjoy, I'm enjoying Christ and I'm enjoying uh, my life of faith. Uh, I'm enjoying my wife, I'm enjoying my kids. Uh, things are really pretty good in my life. Please don't stop praying for me because of that. Okay, does that make sense? You know why? Because the Bible says, let him who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. It's a slippery slope from doing fine in your spiritual life to cratering, is it not? And so, so we should not let up praying for one another because we're doing well. We, 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 should, we should pray all the more that God would continue that good work. That's what he tells the Philippians. Got to pray that you continue that good work that you began in them. And then reason number three, there is always more to have of Christ. There's always more to have in the spiritual life. As you look around, as God's maybe moving in your small group leader, or the people in your small group, and good things are happening, they seem to be doing fine, you know what? You should never be content with that. We should not be content with that. You know what? God's doing good things at Lincoln Avenue, isn't he? I mean, we had two baptisms this morning. We had another family join this morning. Uh, Church was full, both services. Praise God, all glory to him. That's great. Should that give us reason to say, hey, you know what? We can let up. We can let up in our spiritual fervency. We can let up in, in our passionately praying for our church and praying for unity and praying for for the gospel to go forth man we're foolish if we think we can do that because it's a slippery slope from here to there And, and not only that but the reason we just talked about there's there's more to have oh folks there's so much more there's so much more God wants to do with this congregation I mean, I just think we're on the edge of it. I mean, I, I don't in any way think that we have, a, have accomplished what God wants us to accomplish. Man, we're, we're just getting started. There's so much more that God needs to do in me and in you. And so we should pray fervently that God would do those things, okay? So, so why should we pray for one another? Okay, if you're doing badly, if your small group's doing badly, you got someone in a crisis, obviously you should pray that God would intervene in that person's life. You got people in your small group that are doing well, man, there's three reasons why you ought to be like Paul and you ought to pray for those people. So, you got people in your small group that are doing well, you've got people that aren't doing well. That covers everybody, doesn't it? And you're either doing well, or you're not doing well. Either way, you should pray for them, okay? That, that, that's my point, all right? Let's move on. Verse 16. Paul says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I wanna stop right there, and I wanna show you a great principle in the Bible. It is amazing to me how often thanksgiving is emphasized in the prayers of the New Testament, okay? If you're just looking, if you just take the prayers of, of, of especially of the epistles, all right, where you've got Paul, when all these spiritual relationships, all these Christian relationships, and he's writing letters to them and he's praying for them. If you look at those, I am amazed at how often Thanksgiving is linked to prayer, okay? Now, here's what I, here's what I deduce from that. I make a strong connection between an effective prayer life and being thankful in your prayers, Okay? I make that connection. I draw those dots. And I think I can do that scripturally. Okay? Let me prove this to you. Okay, So right here in Ephesians, uh, Paul starts out his prayer being thankful for these people, being thankful to God for them. Let's go to the next book. Okay? The next book in the Bible is Philippians. Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Okay, Turn the page again. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It's talking about anxiety. What should you do when you're worried, anxious? Verse 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything... By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Pray with thanksgiving. Alright, let's go to the next book. Colossians chapter 1 verse 3. We always thank God the Father and our, of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Uh, Colossians chapter 4 verse 2. Go to the next page. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. First Thessalonians. Go to the next book. I'm just going book by book here. First Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 2. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. We'll stop there. Are you convinced? Do you see that? I mean, we just went verse or book by book through the New Testament through when, when Paul talks about prayer and he's always linking it with thanksgiving. You know what that tells me? If I'm going to be effective in my prayers, they, they need to be connected to a thankful heart. Okay. Thankful to God and also thankful for people. What, what does that do? Well, first of all, when you have a thankful heart in your prayers, that, that, that shows confidence in God. We know that, that, that faith is a key in having an effective prayer life, right? In, in seeing, seeing things happen in your prayer life. And, and thanksgiving is an act of faith. You know, when I take my worries to God and I take them there, just like Philippians 4, 6 says, I take them there and, and I'm thankful. What, that? what does that say to God? It says, man, this, this is a guy who believes I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to answer. I'm going to take care of this, Okay. Pray with thanksgiving. But 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 let me let me say this. What does it do when you're in spiritual friendships and, and you thank God for those people in your prayers? I mean that's what Paul's doing. Paul's saying, man, every time I remember you, and he lists specific things, didn't he? He said, I remember your labor of love and I remember your steadfastness. And, and in First Thessalonians, he talks about, I remember how you received the gospel and what you did with it. Okay. So when he prays for them, he's always remembering, and, he, and he's giving thanks for them specifically. What will that do to your relationships? What will that do in your small group? If, if as you pray for those people, you, you, you specifically give thanks for things in their life, folks, that will transform your relationships. Those of you who were, uh, who were at our senior adult banquet uh, in February, we had a Valentine's. Um, man, the sermon was incredible. It was an eight-minute sermon. That's why it was incredible. It's because of that eight minutes. And uh, I gave it okay. But, uh, but here, here's the thing. I still remember that because it really impacted me. What I spoke on was, was how thank, thankfulness um, sparks, especially in, in a marriage relationship, builds, builds a good relationship. And, and in that sermon, what I did was I wrote down all these things, just real quick in my office. I just wrote things I was thankful for for my wife, you know, and I had a list of like 20 things and I read them out there. As I was making that list, you know what that did in my heart? That stirred up affection. I, I mean, I, it was just amazing. Go, go try it. Try it tonight. J- just write down like 20 things you're thankful for your spouse for. And see what that does to your heart. I mean, you're, you'd be amazed. It stirs up affection. Hey, it works with your small group. It works with your kids, okay? Are you about ready to strangle your kids? This sounds like a commercial. Are you about ready to strangle your kids? <laughs> Try thankfulness, okay? Write down. You what's ten things? Man, you're thankful for each one of your kids. And and you'll be amazed at how 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 your your grip will loosen, you know, and you say, yeah, maybe there's hope. Okay, maybe there's hope. Folks, I'm telling you, Paul has something here, okay? There, there's a connection between powerful prayer and thanksgiving, okay? So As you pray for your small group, be thankful for them. All right, what should we pray? We don't have much time at all here, but let's quickly go through. Verse 17, here's what Paul prays. What do you pray when you pray for your small group? Please don't just pray for physical needs. Please don't just pray. I'm saying just pray. Do that, but please go beyond that, okay? Take the Bible, imitate the Bible. What what does Paul pray for them? Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. What does Paul pray for? First of all, he says, I am praying that you guys would know more of Jesus. You have a spirit of wisdom and knowledge of him, that you would know more of Jesus. Folks, no person receives Christ and immediately understands all that he is. Isn't that true? I don't understand all that that Jesus is. I don't understand all of his glory. I have by no means seen all that there is of Jesus. In fact, I believe that I will spend an eternity in heaven, and in a million years, I will be able to tell you I've not yet got to the end of all there is of Jesus, okay? And so, man, this is a prayer you should pray for everybody. Pray that they would see more and more of Christ, we don't have all that we that we that we can see of his glory. We don't see how awesome he is. We don't see all that he wants in our life. Look at verse eighteen. I love this image: having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Okay, what what does that mean? Having the eyes of your heart enlightened. It means first of all that that you have physical sight by which you can see colors and and frame or uh, uh, images and, and things in the physical world. But you also have in your spiritual life, in your heart, you have the ability to see spiritual realities. Okay, what are spiritual realities? Union with Christ is a spiritual reality, right? Being joined to Jesus Christ, being forgiven of your sins, that's a spiritual reality. Having the spirit of God in your life, that's a spiritual reality. Having an inheritance in heaven, that's a spiritual reality. And Paul is saying, I'm praying that you would see those things with your heart. That you would embrace them. That they'd be real to you. Is your inheritance in heaven, is that real? We talk about it all the time here at Lincoln Avenue. But I am certain that if you're anything like me, you'll go out this week and things will go wrong in your life. And your checkbook will be, will, will be low. And you'll have problems and trials. And all of a sudden you will find yourself feeling impoverished. You'll find yourself feeling empty. Okay, what's needed there? You need to see something. What do you need to see? Spiritual realities. Spiritual realities. And Paul is praying for his, his small group that they would see spiritual reality. There's a great image in Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, man, I'm going to read that book again. There's so many things in that book that are so incredible. But, but they, they, they get midway through the journey and, and they're, just, they're just weak and they're, they're, they're tired and they just don't know if they can make it up this hill. Okay? And, and, and the image is uh, Bunyan, Bunyan get, has them find this looking glass. And as they look through the looking glass, they can see the celestial city. Okay, now, now when they put it down, they can't see it. But when they, when they look through it, they can see it. And that seeing that spurs them on to keep going. Okay, what's the image there? That's what Paul's talking about. He, he's talking about when you get weary and tired, what do you need? You need to see the spiritual realities of Christ. Verse 18, Paul says, I pray that, that you would see, that you would know the hope to which you've been called. And, and then he talks about the, 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 the richness of your inheritance. Paul says, I want, I want my people, I want the people that I pray for to see those things. Now, look at verse 19. Paul says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? Paul wants them to know that there is is this mother load of power available to them in Jesus Christ. There's plenty of power to break addictions, to gain victory over sin, to love the unlovable, to persevere in faithfulness. And, And notice notice all these things that he's praying for. He's not praying that they would get them, they already have them. Isn't that cool? They already have them. He's praying that they would know about them, that they would appropriate them, that that they would live in light of them, that they would would be real to them. Folks, we have the resources we need to live the Christian life. 2 Peter 1 tells us that. A lot of times it's just a matter of us seeing and and embracing them by faith and living them out. Okay, the last thing he prays for, and we don't have much time here, but... um, As he talks about power, he talks about it's the same, you have the same power that that, that raised Christ from the dead. That's verse 20. Verse 21 says, starts to talk about Jesus and it says, and lifted him far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and and above every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And then verse 22, he says, and he put all things under his feet, all things that put under Jesus' feet, everything, okay? And he gave Jesus, I love this, he gave Jesus as head over all things to the church, Okay, so he talks about Jesus being exalted into the heavens and being far above all rule and all authority. Jesus owns everything. Everything's put under his feet. And then God says, and I gave Jesus to the church. You have Jesus. That's what you have. And Paul says, I pray that you would see that. I pray that you would see what you have in Jesus Christ. That you would remember Jesus. In 2 Timothy Timothy is, is discouraged. He's facing opposition. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, Paul simply says this. Timothy, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as, as preached in my gospel. Man, that's, that's great advice. You know what you and I need more than anything? We need to remember Jesus. We need to see Jesus more than, and I said this in our first sermon on Ephesians, more than having five tips to good relationships, more than having three tips to have a good financial uh, portfolio, more than any of those practical things in your life that you think are practical, the most practical thing in you and I's life to change us is to see more of Jesus. So what should you pray for your small group? You should pray that they would see more of Christ. They would see the hope that they have, the inheritance that they have, the power that they have. Pray those things for the people in your small group. I believe God will do great things.